No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The Word What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Word Bros. My name is Bob. Hello and welcome. Hello. Hey, I want to thank everybody real quick before we continue on. We got a really special guest today. We got Dave Baker on the show this week. He's super terrific and fantastic. Um, He's got a book coming out through IDW, Star Trek Voyager. It is Seven's Reckoning, which sounds pretty hot. If you're a Voyager fan, that's right up your alley. And he's also got a... Another awesome book coming out through a small indie publisher out of um, Portland. It is called Night Hunters. He's doing that with Alex Ziertz. Very cool stuff. Uh, Night Hunters will be out this month. Star Trek Voyager will be out this month as well. It's a very busy November for Dave, so we're excited for him. We're excited to have him on the show. But real quick, before we get to that, I want to thank all of the listeners. We had our um, most downloaded month in October. So thank you so much for sharing the show. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for downloading all that jazz. We really appreciate it. We'd like to think it's because of the guests. We've had some really good guests uh, over the past month. And that trend will continue right now with Dave Baker. Dave Baker. Dave Baker. Exactly. That's exactly the truth of the matter. And, and the reality is, sorry, mom, just is what it is. You've let her down. Yep. But Dave, I'm sure your mom is proud of you because you have a wonderful comics career. You are an awesome dude. You're living in Los Angeles. I mean, <laughs> you are pretty much, you've got a framed movie poster on the wall. If that doesn't scream making it, I don't know what does. I think oh, the plastic man. water bottle screams making it. He's in LA. Like the It, it oh, wasn't man. just a regular, like, like I like hang out in your movie set small like 20 ounce bottle he had the mega like fuck yeah i'm here all day (laughs) oh yeah yeah i don't fuck around with hydration man that shit is dangerous you know (laughs) you could get cracked skin you could get you could get weird cirrhosis of the liver i think i don't know i'm not a doctor i just know that drinking water is important it is the one thing i will say is i've been drinking a lot of water during quarantine but i have to i'm an older dude like how old are you dave uh 32 okay i'm 42 so i have to stop drinking water at a certain time of the day or i will just be up all night peeing because i have what i guess what they call in the business a giant prostate so like (laughs) i have to stop drinking water by like 5 p.m hard or i will literally be up every hour on the hour going to the bathroom and i just trade water for beer so so. My dude, I don't know. I think maybe you might want to invest in a in a primary care physician uh, meeting. I don't know if that's po- a positive situation. I've already – I had my physical last year. I had my first prostate exam last year. It wasn't that bad, um, to be honest with you. And he said everything was fine. But, yeah. I just oh, okay, to... great. Then yeah, you know yeah. what? I like, I've, like we've previously established, not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you preach drinking water, which is super, super important. Yeah, man, I'm just trying to get the, I'm just trying to get the, you know how they say Wu-Tang is for the children? Water is also for the children. Water is for everybody, buddy. That's the cool part about it. So Dave, so you've got a a literal like armada of books coming out at the moment. Is that correct? (laughs) A Starfleet armada of books? Yeah, You have yeah, I just, uh, I just don't sleep, man. Which one do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about Night Hunters or do you want to talk about Star Trek Voyager? I feel like uh, I feel like Star Trek is something everybody's heard of. 
Okay. So we can talk about that and maybe okay. people will be excited because they've heard about it because we know we live in a weird dystopian echo chamber where people only want to be exposed to things they already have been exposed to before. And then we can talk about something that nobody's seen before. Uh, my book with Alexis Sear that comes out in the end of November. Okay. Now, yes. um, here's the thing that I was told before the interview started, that you can talk about Star Trek for hours and hours and hours and hours. So are you <laughs> sure you want to start with Trek? Because what if we get lost and we run out of time? What if we start with the creator-owned book first? Sounds then, great. Let's do it. Then we can go into because I don't want to be here for like four hours, man. Like listening to you rattle on about <laughs> seven or nine and shit. And I'm like, look, yeah. man, you know, uh, no offense, <laughs> but we got to cut this hey. off, man. We got to. Hey, cut this I off. get it. I get so, it. Yeah, yeah. You're, so, it's your show, man. Whatever you want to do. No, because I want to. <laughs> it's actually your show. It's yeah, it's actually your show. You're the guest, so you're the main man here. You know. <laughs> How amazing would it be then if I was just like, you know what? I don't actually want to talk about either of them. Let's talk about mid two thousands pop punk and mid two thousands pop punk only. Okay, uh, which is not true. I don't. I don't want to do that. Here's I don't want to do that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We are so versed in so many topics. Luckily, around that time, I was working in Norfolk, Virginia, for a commercial radio station, mm -hmm. and we played a lot of pop punk. We were an alternative rock right. station, so we could probably delve a little bit into that water. We I don't know how far we could go. Yeah. We, uh, maybe it wouldn't like, be a deep dive. It yeah, wouldn't be a deep yeah, dive. Maybe like thigh high, you know what I'm saying? We but could like, at least get yeah. our feet wet, though. Yeah. yeah. That could happen. Yeah. yeah. So it's up to uh, you, man. This is your show, dude. So that, that I I wasn't initially going to bring this up, but the, you set me up too perfectly with the deep dive and the pop punk. So uh, <laughs> I run a podcast called Deep Cuts where we – it's like a narrative explainer podcast where we do deep dives into random topics. And we okay. just did – we just did an episode about the Flat Earth Movement, which, ah. as you can tell from the name, is a crazy, ignorant uh, belief structure founded in conspiracy theory and bizarro Christian thought that we are living under a fucking snow globe dome, not <laughs> on a planet. And in that episode, we started fucking around talking about mid-2000s pop punk and, like, shitty dude rock from that time period. Okay. And after the episode... I found the guy who's like the figurehead of Flat Earth Movement, this dude named Mark Sargent. I found him and I emailed him and he, he did an interview with us where we just asked him questions about like fucking Chevelle and story of the year and like <laughs> shitty 2000 fans. Now, what did he think about Chevelle? You know, it, the interesting thing about this guy and the Flat Earth Movement in general is um, they are ignorant they are spreading vile conspiratorial thought mm -hmm. they are actively damaging our culture but they're predominantly white people and they do it in like the nicest way possible <laughs> so it's this bizarre discordant frequency where like when we were interviewing him like i was getting along with him i was like this is this guy's like super weird and funny and you know He's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I just kind of just believe that uh, the earth is, you know, not round. You know, just it's, it's fine. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and like and, and you kind of buy into it for a minute. And then we, we started talking about coronavirus because the idea that you that somebody doesn't believe the earth is round, I guess, is innocuous enough. Like, Did he offer you a watchtower, like in the middle of it all? Like, do you want? To, can I tell you about our Lord and Savior Cthulhu? And you were like, well, started, I, I don't know, maybe started, that sounds awesome. He started talking about how the he started talking about how coronavirus isn't real and all these people haven't died oh. and all this shit, and i know people who have fucking died from this disease and i know multiple people who've had it and thankfully survived and i was just like well, fuck you bro like fuck you bro what the, what the fuck is this and and that was kind of it's it's interesting that those i feel like that says a lot about our culture right now i feel like it's almost like a metonym for what we're going through where there is this kind of like surface level of like oh that's just a harmless kind of weird thing to be into yeah, like yeah, using yeah. pepe the frog as a meme or something but then <laughs> right below the surface it's this like insidious vile xenophobic horribly racist um problematic core which kind of is again a metonym for america like that's kind of america in general the, is it's just like part, and the scary part at this point is you don't even really have to dig that far under the surface anymore like it used to be like you would have to dig pretty deep to get to that kind of xenophobia and racism and just fear of anyone different from you but yep 
Now it just seems like, oh, dink, you know, you stick your shovel in the ground and you've hit it and that's it. And yeah, you could just it, walk around your neighborhood and be yeah. like, who are the assholes in my neighborhood? Yeah. You and know, you look and you see the Trump signs in the front yard, like, oh, there they are. And like, I hate you know. yeah. to paint a broad brush, like a broad yes, stroke. Yes, I'm just being general, yes. Yeah. I mean, if the it's the pot and the kettle, man. Like, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Like, if, if you're still voting for this guy and you're still believing in the things that if you're willing to vote for that dude, then yes, you are the problem. Yeah. If you're willing to vote for somebody who actively said that there are both good people on both sides after yeah. yes. neo-Nazis marched through Charlotte chanting Jews will not replace us. Exactly. Uh, read my lips. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. No, yeah. I agree. I couldn't I agree with you more. Totally so, agree. Uh, moving into, I guess, the world of like <laughs> scary future shitty existences is the book. Night, Night Hunters. Yes. yes. A, yeah. You know what, Dave? That was a really good segue. It, was, it, your, it actually worked very well. bleak kind of cyberpunky, you know, uh, uh, future existence that you and Alex have created here. Tell us about this book. Yeah, so it's called Night Hunters. Uh, it's published by Floating World Comics out of Portland, written by me, lettered by Robert Negretti, drawn by Alexis Zirit of Space Writers and Tarantula fame. And the high concept of the book is that in the near future, in Venezuela, there's been a law that's been enacted where if you want to live in an apartment, uh, have a child in a hospital, or run for public office, you have to have been or currently be a police officer. And so we follow two adopted brothers who kind of grow up in the slums outside of that system who are then kind of abruptly forced into it through an accident. And one of them opts into being a police police officer and one of them doesn't and um they the the book kind of uh teeter-totters on this kind of um ideological spectrum of you know how far are you willing to go to protect your immediate family how far are you willing to what are you willing to sacrifice for safety and and what are you willing to sacrifice to stay alive um and uh it's you know as you said a very kind of bleak um verhoeven-esque kind of near future where you know almost kind of pop culture is run amok and there's all of these weird slogans everywhere and everybody's kind of trying to manipulate the situation to make you follow their ideological view yes and, i will say um, uh, there, with the political climate being such this book hit a little too close to home at the yeah, moment it's like it was a little scary i was reading it of, and I, when i was reading the background like on the walls i was like oh that's 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 like oh that could be like here like now yes, that's not, right now yes yeah. very so, much so yeah that was it's very weird because cool. i in i wrote the, it like way. yeah i wrote it like almost i think almost two years ago like a year and a half ago because you know you know how comics are they take forever to make <laughs> and the fact that it's coming out right now is just so surreal like and there's kind a, of there's poignant a, yeah, kind <laughs> of but, but there's a scene in the second issue um where two cops are chasing somebody through a strip mall and people are getting in the way so the cops start just opening fire on them and the cops are yelling we're here to protect you we're here to protect you as they're just like indiscriminately murdering people mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna lie everything that's happened in the country this year i feel like i've seen basically seen that like almost mm -hmm. multiple times either existentially or literally and it's so bizarre it's so weird now this you said the first issue which is the one it's the one that you sent us that's like what 36 yeah. 40 pages that is yes. currently that when will that be available in shops because this thing is beautiful man like, it's great the yeah. artwork is fantastic the writing like i said is poignant and feels very fresh um the themes kind of just kind of pop right off the page it's, it's kind of got that verhoeven carpenter vibe to yeah, it so. totally like totally. where can we where can we pick this up uh, it can be pre-ordered currently um, through Diamond, um, or it comes out November twenty-fourth. I okay. believe is the official street date. All right. Um, yeah, and, and I'm I'm super excited about it. I I think it's you know, my goal throughout this whole process was basically just I want to make the best Alexis Zirit comic possible. <laughs> um, and I because I think he's an amazing illustrator. I think he's yeah. so good, and I just wanted to try and set up you know, big Alexis showcase moments, you know, yeah. and... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the, it, there's... I feel like the scene where the Julian character has the sniper rifle on the building is, like, shooting through the walls and killing the gangbangers is, like... That scene came out so much better than I thought it was going to, and, like, Alexis just... He's so good. He's so good. 
Now, did did you feel any pressure because you know the audience and and the 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 public has an expectation when they see his name on a book with Space Riders or Tarantula? Did you feel like, oh shit, I really got, I really got to get this? Um, I did, but almost kind of not from that perspective. I really wanted, I wanted, um. You know, there was, without getting too personal, there was a period there where Alexis kind of got knocked down a couple times. And I wanted to help him. You know, I mean, I wanted to make a book as well. Like, I, it wasn't just completely like this altruistic, weird, selfless thing. But I, I wanted to make a framework for Alexis to exceed what he had done before. Because what he had accomplished already was amazing, but he did it under the framework of, you know, all art is done under the framework of compromise, but there were certain things about, you know, his life or the deadlines or any of those scenarios that I really wanted to try and build a foundation that he could make the best work possible. Um, and like we got offered a publishing deal with another publisher um, that was a, you know, I mean, quite frankly, image, they offered us a deal and oh, wow. we were like, we were like right on the, deadline of when we were going to launch our Kickstarter because we kickstarted the book last year around this time. And we had to make a tough call of do we go with image where the benefit is the book is has a much bigger release and it'll get seen by a lot more people. But we're uh, I am a, an unknown commodity, relatively speaking, and and, you know, on the scale of mainstream comics, Alexis is to a certain degree. So I don't know that they would, because neither of us have Batman behind our names. So I don't, I don't know that they're going to give us the same page rate that we would make through doing this Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. And so we opted, you know, we had a long talk and then we just said, you know what, if we had gotten this image call X amount earlier, we could have done things differently and that would have been great. But the ships just didn't align and we're going to just keep going with Jason and floating world. And he's been amazing through the whole process. And because of that, we were able to secure enough funding so that Alexis, hopefully, I mean, I can't speak for him, but, you know, I've done everything in my part to try and make the book the best it can be that's by awesome. helping him. You know what I mean? And that's a bold move as a creator, too, man, because guys wait their whole careers to get that image, that image deal. And you guys kind of bet it on that. You guys believed and bet on yourselves. Yeah. So, I mean, look, that's uh, pretty ballsy, dude. I, I very much would like to work with image like I've. You had Very your chance, kid. Like it's to... over. <laughs> right, exactly. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Is you I, don't have to I, worry. Eric Stevenson does not listen to our podcast. Dude, no, of course, of course. Stevenson, man. That's what you hear at the shows. Oh, man, I know Stevenson. We, 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 don't, we don't know Stevenson, his dog, his neighbor, or anyone else. So, like, I know it's, the it's guy that cuts his grass, man. Just give me his script. I'll give it to that guy. And then you got your image deal, bro, locked up. I know it. I know it. I mean, look, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I know Eric well because I don't but I we're on first name basis and I have talked to him multiple times and to be he's... fair your name's Dave I mean that's a pre that's he's had a pretty good shot of getting that one right you kidding. you know <laughs> it's true it's true but I'm kind of I'm kind of that person that just doesn't expect anyone to remember anything so I'm kind of dorky and so I like will go up to him multiple times at shows and be like hi I'm Dave Baker this is who I am this is what I've done and it's to the point now where every time I start that routine, he's like, Dave, I know you, man. We've emailed. I know you. So, you know, he's, he's a, he's a very affable, he's a very affable guy in that way. And I, it was, it honestly was just poor timing with the night hunters deal where we were, it was literally, I mean, I think it was six days or something away wow. from when we were going to launch the, the Kickstarter. And it would just, I, I mean, look, if there's there's an alternate future where we did it through kicks through through image and that would be awesome. There but, is string theory. String theory says that there is. <laughs> string theory says yeah. that you have done that somewhere else and like that is happening right now in an alternate universe. And yeah. like you are missing out on your red carpet walk in Hollywood. And I'm sorry to hear that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, I I have zero regrets about it for multiple reasons. One, because I've talked to Eric about doing some other stuff, and who knows what will happen. But I like you as you were joking like the door is closed but it, that, that's not I thankfully that's, not the case. that's what this is what we but, do but we is, joke man we joke. no no of course of course but i'm saying that like i think a lot of people think about it that way especially in comics where everything is like do or die it has to happen right now and the scene is so small and there's so few people in comics i know it feels like there's a ton but there's really not um and so i just have zero doubt that 
you know, that will happen and I'll hang out with Eric Stevenson. It'll be cool. I don't know. But <laughs> but I, I am just so proud of the fact that, like you said, we did it ourselves. We bet on ourselves. We did the Kickstarter. Um, you know, I mean, I've we literally hold on. We literally Where's made. I'm the, book looks, the book What's looks he? great. What's well, I mean, fucking, he fucking carrot top. He's like a prop comic. for. <laughs> We made fucking action figures and oh, shit, that's cool. bro. That's, that's awesome. Like, that's cool. Like that that just wouldn't have happened if we had An done it through book. image. Yeah. You know, yeah. because we would have been we, all those resources would have gone other places. And I'm I mean, the fact that there's this stupid fucking toy of our character <laughs> That's amazing is like, though. I love it. It's it's like life affirming. Like I, do, I don't do you want sell those? to be like uh, only we only sold them to the Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Um, so the people who bought back the Kickstarter are gonna get them That's when awesome. the book ships out in whatever two or three weeks. Um, but I'm just like that's that's one of those like. Check it off the bucket yeah, list. That's, cool. that's, cool. yes. that's really awesome. I have a toy. Well, yeah, I'm really happy for you, man. The book looks awesome. great. You said it'll does. be out in a couple weeks. November 23rd is when it'll hit the street. It's through. I'm sure you can go to their website. It is floatingworldcomics.com. You can check that out. Um, it yep. looks beautiful, man. Like, so how are we talking four issues? Each issue is what, 36 pages? We're, or yeah, is this just four an oversized issues. first. This is a little bit of an oversized okay. first. Um, yeah, it's four issues. Um, and I, we're doing it, uh, we're doing it bi-monthly, even though Alexis is, he's working on the fourth issue now, so we could do it monthly, but with the pandemic and everything, we're trying to kind of give retailers a chance to evaluate if the book is selling and also, you know, word of mouth to kind of hopefully pick up a little bit, because since we don't have the image, you know, bump, um, you know, the floating world, a little bit of a smaller publisher. So we're, you know. Any amount of positive buzz is 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 gonna help us in the oh, long man, run. I you know? hear you. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, dude, um, wonderful, man. This, like I said, this book looks dope. It's we're great. Rooting, we're rooting for you. Um, and again, wow, turn down image. He was like, you know what, Eric, peace. We're out. And damn, and you live <laughs> to tell the tale, man. And then he drank from that giant bu- that giant jug of water because yeah. he was just so cool. Dave Baker was like, man, whatever. He's got that toy. <laughs> <laughs> So Kevin said that you could go for hours and hours and hours talking. So about now we'll go to Star Trek. Star so. Trek. Do you, right. Is there anything else you want to mention about Night Hunters before? Yeah, we pl- yeah, please do, please, please. Um, yeah, I, well, I don't know. I think the one thing I would say is that um, to get serious for a moment, our country is a very uh, precarious place right now. Um, I, I'm someone who loves to engage in hyperbole, but this is not hyperbole. There are literal Nazis at the gate. Like, and that's the underlying theme of the book is like that the power that power corrupts and that police states are no fun. So, fucking go vote, please. Like, I don't care if you don't agree with Joe Biden. I don't agree with Joe Biden, but please go fucking vote for Joe Biden. Yes, I agree. Joe Biden. I I read something the other day. My wife and I were talking about it that Joe Biden's like a rebound. Like he ain't great. He's not going to be the guy you marry, but you know what? He'll get you back to normal. <laughs> he'll, God, he'll, God bless uh, him for that. You know, he'll help you. Uh, he'll help you pity fuck the anti-Semitism out of your system. Yes, and I will. Yes. Trust, and I'll be ready for my AOC serious relationship whenever that happens. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Wait Much for like the ring, Same. baby. Same. Wait for that ring. Put the ring on it. Yep. Put the ring on it. Much like a Peaches song gets you through the hard breakup. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. That's mm-hmm. what Joe Biden is. He can fuck okay. the pain away. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> Next is now you have you son of a bitch. <laughs> You're writing a fucking star a Star Trek book. So he he's a little, he's a little jealous of this. Not so jealous, I told I did. I did. It's, it's a little jealousy. It's not a little jealous, jealousy. Not, jealous. not a lot. Not jealous. Not jealous. I think he admires. Too. I see the I see the kapla behind you. Who is that? Is that Garon? Who is that? that? That's my boy. That's Garon, son. That's the dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love um, I love Garon. Yeah, Garon. I love it. No, I love not, that the guy. Oh, yeah, I love is... that the guy who played uh, fucking. Oh wait, is, or is it Kern? I can't. No, it's, no that's it's not Garon. Kern. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, wait, no, it's not. That's the. That's what's his face. It's Martok, isn't it? No, that's Garon. I'll hear. I'll take it off. Okay. The it's it's really hard to see from that far away. He just doesn't look like he has the eyes from, you know, a Zoom call six feet away. <laughs> we have. Um, we've been doing you fucking Star, Star Trek, Trek nerds. We've been doing Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> see, it's Garon. 
I'm a Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Calron, all right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've been doing, I've been doing a Star Trek podcast now for nine years called Dork Trek. Uh, We watch and review episodes. We we finished all of TNG. We did all the movies. We have five episodes left of Deep Space Nine. Oh, man, you're in the thick of it then. Fucking what you leave behind is like. We got five episodes left. Five episodes left, and then we start Voyager, which is uh, which is where you come in. You're doing a Voyager book, yes, about yes, seven or nine, yes, yes, yes. Uh, before we get into the book, though, I have I have to tell you my Star Trek story, which you're one of very few people who will appreciate. So my day gig is that I write on a Snapchat show, and I'm I'm walking out of the offices back when we had things called offices before uh-huh. the plague <laughs> times, and I round the corner, and halfway through the block, I I. I'm one of the people in LA who hates driving. So I take the bus. I have a car, but I take the bus to the office every day. Um, Cause I just sit on the bus and read. Um, so I'm walking to the bus stop that I normally take. And it's like our office building and then a small office building and then a driveway and another office building. So I'm walking by and out of that driveway comes a car and it almost hits me. And I like kind of get out of the way. And I'm like, Whoa, ah, ah. <laughs> and a guy leans out and goes, ah, sorry, sorry. And kind of like a movie, his hand was the only thing that was in focus. And then my eyes like rack focused to his face and then to his chin, which was garbed in a purple beard. And I was like, Ah! what? What? No, no, that's not. No. And so then fucking Iris Steven Bear, the the showrunner of Of Deep Space Deep Space Nine. And so I like walked around the car. You know, going like, uh, yeah, sorry, my bad. I almost hit your car with my body, sir. And he kind of was like waving the like, my bad. I almost hit your body with my car. <laughs> and like, as I'm like right in front of the car, I kind of like, I gotta do something. I gotta say something. He's my like one of my favorite Star Trek writers. So I gotta do something. So I I go the like, uh, have a nice day. <laughs> 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 and he like he like looked at me and then shook his head and started laughing and pulled out into traffic. That's wonderful. And. I it was it was like seeing the Pope. It was amazing, dude. It was the it was so great. You had a religious experience can that I, day can that I you share, almost got killed. Can I yes. share my my Star Trek story with you? Yes. Okay. So this was 2011. Uh, my okay. wife, myself, and my eight month old daughter go to Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, to go to a Star Trek convention to promote. The podcast. This is when they were still doing conventions. Now they only really do like Vegas and the cruise. But this is when Creation did shows all over the country. And Chicago was going to be one of Leonard Nimoy's last shows. Because this Mm. was his last show. He wasn't going to do any more cons after this. He was done. So um, I don't know. Have you ever been to a Star Trek convention? Yeah, I've been to a few. And last year I went to the one in Vegas. Okay. Um, So you kind of get what it is. You understand that like if you've appeared in Star Trek – for 45 seconds you can get a table and sell merch and make money at these things like kevin it is insane like you could literally be like i was on screen for 24 seconds i want to make a, i want to make a comment on that yeah. be, being that we it's, have the table and bust our asses to sell comment it's very, i was i'm gonna say fucking nerds it's I'm, very, it's very similar to the walking dead craze remember the walking dead con craze yes where they like this guy was a zombie for two seconds and then you like go to a horror con and the dude's selling like eight by ten promos of yes, them like of and it's like very badly zoomed in name yeah like yeah, a it's, crawler zombie it, or something it's like that. very bad it's very badly zoomed zoomed in and like yeah i got you so it was like it's like that but for star trek yeah this yeah. show yes very much so but because i like star trek but i'm nowhere near on the level like i like next generation because and i like i can't i couldn't watch the kirk star trek sorry it's never good. never watched it it's never good. watched it never watched it's it it's very good watch picard good. picard i like picard i like Riker. uh and then i i've watched some of deep space nine that's that's where i am in my the star best. trek the best Star yeah. Trek is Deep Space Nine. I, I've, I've I only seen two two seasons of Deep Space Nine. The best. Um, he he didn't shave his head yet, so I guess it doesn't get good. Until right. he oh gets man, you're not even to the good yeah. stuff yet. Then. Yeah. Stuff yet. Yeah. But, so so we were at this show, and then at this show, tabling was the guy who played um, Pike, not the original Pike who died, but the guy who was in the box from the original oh, yeah. series episode who was on trial in the box who pressed the button. Boop, boop, boop. Yep, yep, yep. So we saw him in the show. And I was hanging out. And so Nimoy, my wife is with the kids. And Nimoy is just in the lobby, hanging out by himself. 
nobody's nobody's around him nobody's around him he's just standing there in the lobby like waiting to be whisked away and i was like should i say something to him i really want to talk to nimoy but you know what i'm, not, I'm just gonna leave it alone because i get super like kind you of, do you I do you did that with hickman like, at, at the con we were at yeah, yeah, yeah i get i get very nervous around yeah. people that i really it's enjoy. true so what happens is he's just standing there so two seconds later up comes pike and he's like hey leonard how's it going it's good to see you again i can't believe we're doing another one of these things and leonard goes excuse me and just walks out the front door just just leaves right so my wife comes in with my bit with our child and she says oh my god bob you'll never guess I saw Leonard Nimoy sitting in a van right in front of the hotel. And I was like, well, that's just so weird because two minutes ago, I saw Pike chase him out into that van because he <laughs> wanted nothing to do with Pike. It was wonderful. Leonard Nimoy. That's so interesting, too, because I've only ever heard people get, say, like, nice stories about Leonard Nimoy. I don't, and I, I, don't I wonder what that is. Like, that's got to be, like... I, I mean, you know how those, you know how the Trek actors are, yes. where there's like camps that of like these people don't like those people because of stuff that's happened like literally 50 years ago. So there's <laughs> got to be a story behind that, and that's what I'm interested in. Pike like, did the in... Pike guy just show up like naked one day underneath the box? <laughs> but he came in real hot. Like he came in high energy, and I don't think Leonard was feeling it. Like mm. he came in super hot, and Leonard was just like, mm, nah. And just walked out and was and just decided to sit in a Well, van. he's Spock. I mean, <laughs> he, he can do so that wonderful. shit. He's in everything. He's it was like wonderful. whatever. It was he's great. like that sounds like a Shatner story though. No, that's the thing. It was Nimoy. It was we, it so was good. really odd. He was like, Yeah, no, nah, I don't want nothing to do with this guy and just decided to sit in a van. It was wonderful. He said, excuse me too. He was very polite about it. <laughs> yeah, he it. was like, excuse me. It just he was like, fuck you politely. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> so, so tell me about Star Trek. Tell me about your Star Trek. Yes. Trek. I'm super excited about this thing. Voyager, huh? Yeah, it's called Star Trek Voyager Seven's Reckoning, and Damn, it's um, <laughs> and it's a uh, it's a uh, the the high concept is that it it's oh it's written by me and drawn by Angel Hernandez, and uh, it takes place in the fourth season of the show in between the episodes Scientific Method and Year of Hell Part One, oh, okay. and. And it's uh, it, it it follows the enter or the the Voyager crew as you know the ship is trying to get back to Earth in the Delta Quadrant and they find a ship drifting through deep space, sending out a distress distress beacon and they're like, well, nobody's fucking saying anything, so I guess we should go on board and see what the fuck is the deal. When they do, they figure out that the ship is like an intergenerational colonization vessel and it's been traveling for probably about a thousand years, going somewhere, and then something went wrong. And the warp drive failed, and they've just been drifting for who knows how long. So they wake the people up on the ship uh, that are in these big cryo bays, and they discover that there's kind of two sects of this foreign alien race. Um, and the, the the kind of like upper ruling class are these kind of like slender kind of lizard people with two arms, or yeah, two arms. And then there's like a lower kind of indentured servitude class that are lizard people that are like big hulking kind of like the thing from fantastic four style guys but they have four arms okay and they they're kind of indentured servitude in a, in, a, in a situation where they 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 don't really have very many rights and they're usually used to um kind of do backbreaking labor and repair the ship and kind of you know keep things running while the upper kind of aristocracy kind of like lords over everything and just kind of manages it Interesting. and um and so the the Enterprise crew makes a deal with them because their warp drive is fucked up. And they're like, we will let Seven of Nine come on board and help you guys repair your warp drive if you give us some supplies because we're running a little low. Okay. So uh, they do that, and Seven of Nine discovers the kind of inequality in this you know, pocket society on the ship. And her presence starts to cause one of the aliens, a character named Grebe, to reevaluate some of his preconceived notions about what his stature is in in life because the way that this alien culture works is their whole civilization is based around the idea of story so they refer to their ship as a narrative the the, the like queen character is the grand protagonist and everybody especially these two kind of upper and lower classes have um, these kind of like mythic fables that have been written about people in similar circumstances to them that they then draw what one-to-one -one parallels with all right um and so because of that, um, 
you know, he starts questioning, like, are these stories really sacred? Are they, are they, you know, they, they tell me that I'm supposed to be this worker ant and they tell me that I'm supposed to be subjugated and that's kind of the right thing to happen. But is that true? And the kind of theme of the work is like the stories that we all tell each other matter. And like the, you know, what we're saying, it actually holds a lot of value, but the stories that we tell ourselves matter most of all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our kind of self-imposed limit is the only real arbiter of our destiny. And so over the course of the series, Seven helps this character kind of awaken maybe and maybe some political uprising happens. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Now, if she's doing that, though, she's I mean, she's in direct conflict with the prime directive here, friend. I mean, this is that is a that is a question. What are we doing here, buddy? She can't she can't get herself involved that way. Like, that's. Yeah. <laughs> that is a that is a good question. That is a that I is mean, an also an ethical dilemma that the character will definitely have to reconcile with. Tuvok especially is, in Tuvok is not going to be pleased about that because that's you know he's very. very <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny you bring him up because he's my favorite Star Trek character. Period. Bullshit! Really? No. Oh yeah, man. He's Tuvok? my favorite. I, Tuvok's my fave, man. I I'm love glad I didn't tell guy. you my Tuvok story then. <laughs> oh yes. Oh man, I've got I've got stories about Tim Russ too. Uh, we can we can talk about that in a second. I can I can separate the art and the artist. Right, I okay, love Tuvok, and I can good. still be aware that Tim Russ is Tim Russ, a giant know. asshole. <laughs> he's Tim Russ, man. He is, he's Tim Russ. I I mean, look, your favorite uh, I, character in all of the in all of Trek oh, is yeah. Tuvok. I love Tuvok, man, wow. and that's why that's why actually I I I specifically went out of my way to write really good Tuvok scenes for the book. Because one of the things that really kind of drives me crazy about Voyager is I understand they wanted to do the whole mother-daughter thing with Janeway and Seven of Nine. I think yes. that's great. But I think for a character that is struggling with learning how to be human and struggling with developing emotions and struggling with how to relate to these aliens from her perspective, why the fuck didn't they pair her up with Tuvok more? Because that's literally what he's been doing for like the last eighty years. Is like yeah, 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 these yeah. fucking humans, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I think it, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It just makes I, I understand why they didn't want him there as a on a TV show because they wanted to give the shine to uh, Jerry Ryan and Sex Appeal and all of those like the behind captain, the scenes things. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I get it. I totally get it. But from a narrative standpoint. I want to. You think that's the better story, right? Yeah, I. I yeah. Mean, it's not even the. It's not. It's just a. It's another story that you can layer in that. You know, of like yeah. the the friendship angle of like her learning to actually be friends with somebody and her having this kind of like mentor of him, and that also pushes Tuvok as a character because Tuvok, you know, they've retconned it now, so emotion. They have emotions. They just suppress them as opposed yeah. to the original yeah, series yeah, where it's yeah, just yeah. like they don't have emotions, <laughs> and like that's a really interesting idea that Tuvok would also go grow through that arc and get in touch with his emotions and still choose to suppress them, yeah. which is far more interesting than shunting something away uh, and never looking at it again, which is kind of just how they write him, where he's just kind of sarcastic and Spock. Like, he's sarcastic Spock, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that you're serious about this because you're getting closer and closer to the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no so like there's there's multiple points especially in the first issue um because the first issue is kind of a team book where Man. seven slowly comes to the foreground and then the so rest it's very of the much like is... the series then <laughs> so, yeah so basically when you guys do voyager on dork trek you have to invite dave on because I mean, he's we'll like an expert because if I'm being honest with you, none of us are really looking forward to Voyager. Oh man, you'd hit me up, buddy. Let's do this. I'm down All to hang right, out and talk right. about Voyager. All right, we've, I, even, I, I, we've I, even created on the podcast, we're going to bring it in the Wheel of Voyager, and it's going to have all of our names on it, and we're going to spin it. And whoever's name it lands on, they don't have to be in the next episode. Because we're, oh, nice. we're not really looking forward to Voyager because it's. Well, but Voyager I'll just fill in. Though. I'll it fill in and I don't a know shit. Voyager just has its <laughs> issues, I think. And I think some yeah. of them are kind of self-created. And the fact that, like, yeah. you have this really great concept of this ship that's 70 million light years away. And they're stuck out in, you know, the deepest, darkest, vastest area of space. 
But they always seem to find like, ooh, we found a planet with coffee. Oh, we found a planet that had, you know, that had, yeah. that, that had photon torpedo. It's just, it's this very weird kind of progression of like, ooh, look what we found kind of thing that kind of takes away from some of it. And I don't like the idea that the ship is always in pristine condition. I'm well, not the, a big fan of that. Not a big fan of the, that. The, the big thing for me about Voyager, and I like Voyager a lot. I mean, I fucking wrote the comic. But my <laughs> my biggest thing about Voyager is that the status quo of yes. Voyager, in theory, is there's terrorists and government officials Working on a together. ship together. And, they've, and, and they they sort it out they in, just in throw two it out. episodes. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's done in two episodes. Like, where's yep. the mutiny episode? There should be yep. some heat for the there, whole thing. There's none. Yep. There's The only heat that you ever really got was from what uh torres and the federation engineer for that one episode where she's like yep. well i'm better at my job than you are but i'm starfleet and then they kind of bonk heads there for a couple minutes and then they're gone so basically like, it's like the AEW of star trek like where really. the heat is done way too soon the heat, heat in the wrestling is done way too yeah, soon Yeah, they just kind of moved everything together too quickly and i think that they should have played that conflict out more no, the, I mean I, I agree. I'm just I'm just relating to something I can like wrap my brain around because I don't watch Star Trek and trying to help other listeners who don't watch Star Trek. So like for for me it's the AEW of of because because a lot of those feuds are like I'm like well that's done with already. They're just already moving on to like the next thing. Like there shouldn't there shouldn't there still be some like residual heat happening? I don't know. Nah, like, man, it's Voyager. Okay. Let me ask you this, Dave. <clears throat> what you think about Neelix? uh look um you know there are certain characters who are not in my star trek miniseries that i would have loved to put in there and there are some other characters that i purposely didn't i'm gonna say it oh he whacks on (laughs) i'm going out on a limb and it's not even a limb it's not even a hot take he, Neelix is the worst character. Now, now, who is Neelix for people who Neelix don't know? Neelix is the cook on Voyager. He's the guy with the weird mohawk thing. And like, yeah, he's the worst. The worst. I mean, for the me, the worst. holy trinity, the, for me, the holy trinity of annoying characters on that show are Kess, Neelix, and Tom Paris. Like, they're all really now, frustrating. Now, I've watched a couple episodes. Of, Tom Paris is like the like gambler guy that's stuck on the ship. Or he's supposed like to the, be a gambler guy. Like he's the like, con guy. To be Han, he's supposed to be Han Solo. Like, yeah, I was, was going to say Star Trek Han Solo, but I didn't want to insult. Like, you know. No, he's supposed to be Han Solo. But the issue being that Robbie uh, Robert Duncan McNeil is a really nice guy. And like he couldn't play that well. So they tried to pivot him from Han Solo Star Trek to being like goofy fuck up. And it doesn't always like you can tell they one. I think a lot of the writers on that show were kind of trolls. So there's periods where they're just like strings of Tom Paris episodes where they every episode ends with maybe we're gonna kill Tom Paris and then they don't. Where it's like, guys, I know you're fucking with me, and you know that I know that you're fucking with me, and we all know that no one likes Tom Paris, but we're still doing this. Yeah, Tom's tough. Um, and I think, too, going from – but, I mean, you have to also look at it that Deep Space Nine kind of was able to do whatever they wanted to do because they were the bastard child because you had the films that were doing well mm-hmm. at the box office. You had this network show that was kind of anchoring UPN at the time. Like, that was their flagship, literally, was Voyager. Yeah. And then Deep Space Nine just kind of got to operate however they wanted to. And as long as there was a show, apparently, on the air, they were fine with it. So like they got yeah. to kind of work however they wanted to, doing basically whatever they wanted to. And I think to go from the dynamicness of the Deep Space Nine cast where you have Cardassians and you have fucking, you know, the 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 the, the Bajorans and this whole world of kind of intermingling how the Federation deals with the outside world to just go right back to a Federation starship. I think also though a lot of that is what I was I think what a lot of that, though, is that the, the culture of the Berman Trek people, for whatever reason, Star Trek, the Star Trek people, in air quotes, were on DS9. And then the culture on Voyager were, they were workaday journeyman TV writers. Not always, but maj- the majority of the writing staff were workaday journeyman writers who were kind of like holding their nose and being like, oh, Star Trek. And like... <laughs> 
you know, adult, and that's not coming from me. That's coming from Brian Fuller and Brandon Braga and a Dave, bunch of I feel people attacked. who work on that show. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just saying i feel i feel like you can feel that you know that's the the, the the we don't give a fuck of as much in the soup of the show yeah whereas like ds9 you have nog getting whole arcs you have so good you have jake cisco being more developed than jordy fucking laforge yeah, like that's everybody whereas, though on that show it like, is it is they did that with one of my favorite characters in all of star trek is garrick and he starts out as a yeah. tailor on Deep Space Nine, and he has this whole plot. It's it's beautifully done, like it's yeah. it's like peak television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's, I I completely agree. I I, mean, I I I love DS Nine, and it's my favorite Star Trek show. And Esri Dax is another one of my favorite characters. And I'm I love Esri, man. What you I love about? Esri. What you talking about? I love Jack? Esri oh, Dax. Man. Like she's okay, but there's that stretch in the beginning of the seventh season of Deep Space Nine. Man, we're losing a lot of people right now, but I don't care. Where they're just <laughs> force feeding her down your throat. There's like three episodes in a row that are about Ezri Dax, where she goes back to her home planet to visit her brother. I love it. And I'm just like, I love dude, it. I didn't give a fuck about her two episodes ago. I give less fucks now. Like I don't give a shit about her family, man. I just don't. And they just like as like Ezri Dax. Well, they're also yeah, now see what i've noticed from d space nine so i could talk about this is the doctor is like trying to like romance her but she's like like centuries older than him isn't that like the whole deal there no she's got yeah. a worm she's got a worm that lives inside of her bro oh yeah i know it, it's that's what's <laughs> that's like the whole deal and the and, worm is like 300 years old and her race of people they basically carry the worms um so it's like a symbiotic relationship i got it yeah. i got so, it yeah i understood all that is the original dax who's awesome by the way. who was a dude no 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 well there's many yes, yeah yeah curzon baby dax is tight and that's the, dax... the dude that's the dude who 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 the captain knew the guy who's the in yes, charge yes, cisco yes, yes, who cisco yes. knew look at See, you throwing names around kevin i'm figuring it out like you know i, so, yeah, I got so I, then we meet um terry farrell who plays um, Jadzia uh, Dax. Jadzia Dax dies at the end of season six, spoilers. Okay, but I didn't she see goes that. to work on Becker, the Ted Danson show. That's why she left. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so well, have, like, so so Ted Danson is where Star Trek people go to die. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I got basically. it. Well, I mean, there's so much. <laughs> So, so they so, die in cheers. So she goes to that show, and they bring in another one. Uh, what are the what are what's the race called? It's escaping me. At the trill. Moment. The trills. Trill. Yes, you're good. So they bring in a new trill <laughs> named Esri Dax, and she gets the worm in her, and then she's now living this life. But then she was married to Worf, and that's weird. But then she's in love with Julian, and that's weird. And there's just all these cool dynamics that build up. And this is like a season. This is what they do in a season of of Deep Space Nine. And then they have like a, a, a lounge singer who lives autonomously outside of the holodeck somehow and everybody's just cool with it. They're like- I'll just oh, say the most annoying Vic. character on all of Star Trek is Counselor Troy's mother. That's- She's pretty great. Lux yeah. on it, Lux yeah, on a Troy. Awesome. <laughs> she, she annoys me, I'm just saying. She just, she's just, a, she's just a horny old broad that wants to fuck. I mean- Ain't nothing wrong with that. Nobody wants that from their Star Trek. Ain't nothing wrong with that, Jack. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm not so, saying. I'm... So, so how many issues is this? Um, is this seven or nine book you're doing, man? Quattro. Four issues. Yeah, that's nice. Now tell us about like the process of pitching. ID like, did you go to them? Did they come to you? Like, how does that work? They came to him because he wouldn't have pitched Voyager. He would have pitched Deep Space Nine. That's apparent. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just joking. Uh, well, so the way it happened was I, uh, my partner, Nicole Gu and I, uh, worked on, uh, Star Trek Waypoint. We did an Esri Dax story for the first special Waypoint special number one, okay. um, which was out in like 2018, maybe I, okay. time doesn't mean anything to me anymore. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, uh, we, so we, we did an Esri story, um, and then uh you know whatever it was a year later the editor chase emailed me and was like hey do you want to pitch for this voyager thing that we're doing um cbs wants to do a new mini series uh because seven is going to be in picard 
and they want to have it set during the original series run somewhere cool. you could you can figure out wherever you want it to be um and it can be whatever you want it just needs to be a seven facing story and uh be set during the original show and so my initial thought was like what would if this is the only chance i get because i kind of thought that that esri dax story was going to be the only chance i got uh, to tell a Star Trek story, and I was very happy with it. I, I thought it came out great, and Nicole's work is amazing. And um, so now this was almost kind of like a free at bat. So I was like, <laughs> all right, so if, if this is the only time that I get to do like a mini series, what is my swing for the fences story? And so you know, you go mentally, you go through the list of like you know the the various genre types in Star Trek. You know, the it's is it the inquiry episode? Is it the person betraying their team and get putting in the brig story? Is it you know um, a, a a story that involves you know a crossover with one of the other shows or whatever? Like what 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 are you gonna do? Is it the pesky and, light alien that always shows up? Like the light. Is alien. it is it is it. <laughs> uh is it there are four lights you know is it seven of nine <laughs> in that weird picard loungewear torture uniform screaming there are four lights <laughs> um you know I, so i you know i went through the list and i, I kind of decided you know if i get my one chance my favorite stories typically are kind of more philosophical i like the action adventure and the comedy stuff too but my favorite typically are the philosophical kind of like picking a, a, a an idea that humans struggle with whether that's religious you know bigotry or um freedom of expression or you know the right for an alien culture to fuck up and end itself which there's a bunch of star trek stories about like personal autonomy and like you get to you get the freedom to be wrong um shaka and... when the walls fell exactly shaka <laughs> when the walls fell <laughs> yeah he's so shocked that i knew that go ahead <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Darmok Angelad at Tanagra. Yeah, that's right. Um, what is he saying? Are... I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get and it. So, and so my, my, I don't know if it's quite my favorite, but I think my favorite type of episode is spotlight episodes where a crew member gets sucked up into an alien <laughs> culture and is forced to reckon with their preconceived notions or biases or shed light on an alien culture. Okay. Um, I, 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 normally i like it more when the starfleet character is wrong and when you know the the starfleet person has to evaluate their human centric kind of you know uh, terran centric earth view because that is something i wish there was more of in star trek mm -hmm. um but for the sake of getting something through cbs i knew that <laughs> i probably should do the other one yeah, yeah, yeah. so i, I so i probably so i looked at you know what are like what are my favorite episodes like that and the two that stuck out immediately were the outcast from tng um, and cogenitor from Enterprise, and I was like, "All right, fuck it. Let's let's. What is my version of that? Like, what is the theme that kind of I could connect Seven of Nine through that um, with? And um, that's how we kind of got the idea of stories, and and the idea because stories are emotional. They're 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 vessels for emotional transference, and Seven of Nine is anti-emotion she doesn't want to have any so that's an interesting tension is her trying to understand these stories and being confused by it and hopefully learning and growing as a character um and also i just wanted to write about uh janeway getting a haircut i saw that was <laughs> you know, though, but i give you credit man that's the opening scene of the book it's good like if Thank you, you. want to write like tuvok centric like dialogue it was really good like the whole bone structure line and all that jazz i thought it was cool you did a good job that was well done thank you well done. Thank you. Um, so let me ask you this, man. <clears throat> what are you watching any of the new stuff on CBS All yeah. Access? Are you digging mm -hmm. it? I love Lower Decks. I love Lower Decks. Okay. I was so surprised. I going in, I was like, I don't want this. This doesn't look like <laughs> what I need. This is not what I want. And then like five minutes into that opening episode, I was like, whoa, this is like really well directed, yeah. really funny. And it's an actual Star Trek show, meaning that it feels like Berman era Trek. Yes, and, I agree. And over the course of the arc, like by the time we get to that, that ninth episode is my favorite. The one where okay. it's all about the movies and the differences between the movies and the, oh man, I, I was I was howling. And every time the camera, you know, aspect ratio changes from, to, from anamorphic <laughs> to, to square. Oh man, I was just, I was losing my mind. I loved it. I loved awesome. it. I'm excited that something like that exists in the Star Trek universe. That was the Me thing too. I was most excited about. Like, it's good to see it not taking itself so seriously and kind of having a good time with it. You know, I was really into that. Especially due to the fact that, like, let's be real. 
Star Trek fans, not known for their sense of humor. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> they're, they're a hard bunch to please. But I will say the majority of them come across better than Star Wars fans at this moment in time. At this Are, moment? You think I feel attacked again in this so. episode. I feel Very attacked much. again. I feel attacked twice. I'm getting my mm. lightsaber now. Fuck you and your phasers. One of my favorite you. memes I've ever seen. Like, hey, say what you want, but we don't hate six of our fucking nine movies. You know? <laughs> it's true. So. I mean, I mean, I don't hate any of the Star Wars movies, but I like some more than others. That's what I can say. I like the Star Wars universe better. It, it like makes more sense to me for some odd reason. Star magic, Fantasy makes more sense than actually sci-fi. It makes more sense yes, than, than logic. I, I, you know what? You know logic what? I grew up. I, I grew up reading. I grew up reading Savage, sort of Conan. You know, you don't, don't be fucking with me. You got an iPhone? No, no. Thanks, Star Trek. You got an iPad? Star Trek. That's all Star Trek, son. It is. I'm telling you. It is. It, it is. is. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. Mother, this motherfucker is talking to me like that when he that he's in the oh. background. He says, he says, computer. <laughs> I do. He does that. My it's amazing. Is called computer. Yeah. See. But do you have to say in in a Scotty accent? You have to say computer. <laughs> no, no. No. I would do, I would do he more. wouldn't. He would do terrible at that. <laughs> I would do more of a shitty Picard voice to say computer. But that's mm. cool, man. So like, so you're living your dream, dude. You're a Star Trek fan. You're writing Star Trek stuff. This has got to be awesome for you. Was it intimidating? There's some like hatred to... coming from. from Not there. at all. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Congratulating. Kidding. Was it intimidating, no, awesome. like trying to write some of the dialogue for the characters that you kind of know and love so well? It was definitely something that I was very. Um, I paid a lot of attention to. Yes, because the Esri Dax story, I think, came out great. Um, but it's 10 pages. And so yeah. I didn't really have a lot of space to do the things that I was trying to do. Mm. And so with this, since we had a canvas, like a real canvas with a capital C, I wanted to really, really lock in. Like I, it's so psychopathic, dude. I've got like, once, once the, once the, the okay came down from CBS, I went through and I rewatched uh, the last half of season three and the first half of season four again. And like, I took notes on, like, I literally had like, almost kind of like character charts and then everybody had like two or three things they're like the things that they say and re and episode references of stuff they do like i even wrote down like what costume jerry ryan was going to be wearing in my story and how it related to where what she was wearing and that, that's why i specifically said it takes place in between scientific method and year of hell because post year of hell is when she gets the like the rib cage silver jumpsuit yeah, that everybody yeah, recognizes yeah, yeah. Um, but in the scientific method, she wears one that's kind of like off brown, which has this really cool kind of like collar and it looks really regal and kind of like alien in, a, in an interesting way. And I was like, why the fuck isn't that the main costume? It's so much cooler. Well, because um, they got to show up for big bombs and shit. You know that. They got to get that audience. It's so baby. bullshit. <laughs> it is, it's isn't so it? Bullshit. It is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's it, so I'm, bullshit. I'm not lying. And it only got worse with uh, Enterprise yeah. because they found any reason to put um, to Paul in the contamination, decontamination shower. Oh, got to go in there. <laughs> it's like, all right, dude. It's yeah. like, that's what we're doing. All right, let's do it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting, too, that, like, you know, I, Brandon Brog. I know a lot of people in Star Trek fandom really don't like Brandon Brog's writing. I love it. I there's episodes that work better than others, but I really love like he and Ron Moore are just oh, yeah. the best to me. I love them, and it's interesting to me when when somebody works in a franchise for as long as he did, where you can you can like pinpoint Brandon Braga isms. You know, where yeah. it's like <laughs> even in episodes he didn't write, where he rewrote, and you can be like, that's a Brandon Braga line, or this character wearing a corset. Having being a traditionally good looking, you know, model looking woman that you know that Brandon Brago pitched that, you know, yeah. and <laughs> and it's very Brian, interesting. He was also cool because he also liked to kind of play with genres. Like he had like, this is my Twilight Zone episode. This is my funny episode. Like he was very kind of aware of the history of Star Trek and how they would kind of mix genres in sci-fi. And he, I felt he had the most fun playing with the different concepts, if you will. Well, he's also a huge horror movie nerd, which yeah. is why like a bunch of cool like B-list horror actors ended up in Star Trek and had almost kind of like a second career after their genre film career had kind of decreased a little bit. Like Jeffrey Combs is a perfect example. That's exactly who I was thinking of. He was in fucking Reanimator, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same thing with with Andrew Robinson. Andrew Robinson got cast on that show because of Brandon Braga was a fan of fucking Hellraiser, the first one. <laughs> the like, first one's great. 
The first Hellraiser yeah. is a great movie. The, the second one is awesome. I, I like those the first three the, quite the a bit. The first two were good. The third one was kind of like starting to go where it got all wonky. And then it went to the weird one where like... at least it was a Hellraiser movie. Whereas like, like Hellraiser in space. Like it was like <laughs> yeah. bloodlines. I'm like, yeah, you're, I'm not sold on that. Like it's there's not you, you know, Do you know the story behind that? No, go ahead. Tell. I, I want to hear it. Oh, it's amazing. So the story, the reason why all of those later uh, Hellraiser movies are so bad and not Hellraiser (laughs) movies is because they're literally not Hellraiser movies. They were other horror movies that Dimension bought their rights to. And then they had a year. They had to make a movie every year for a certain number of years in order to keep the rights. So if they didn't put something in production, the rights went back to Clive Barker. So they just they just kind of started making movies and then putting Hell Hellraiser stuff in them or putting specifically Pinhead at the end. Okay. Like it's he would just so, be somewhere in the movie. So, so they kept so they kept the, the the rights away from Clyde Barker, which which yeah. is sad uh, because because it probably would have done better over there. Ooh, do we lose okay. him? No, yeah, it, yeah. Sorry, uh, my thing was messing up for a second, That's but yeah, it sucks. Lost you. Um, but yeah, like. I mean, it's awesome. This this whole episode has been fun for me to. I, it's it's fun to learn about stuff you don't know. So I'm going to say that. So I don't want anybody to think I wasn't talking because because I'm, I'm learning from like two guys who love something. <laughs> it, no, it's it's cool to watch people. Like I think I personally, I I think it's cool to watch people geek out on anything. So like yeah. as as all all of us are comic fans, so like to watch people geek out about their favorite Marvel characters is fun. To watch people geek out about their favorite DC things are fun. To watch you guys geek out about Star Trek, I was laughing a lot of the time. Like I was smiling because like it's fun to me, even though I know very little about it. So like it's one of those things where it's a learning experience. So yeah, but this is but the, the thing that I I'm curious about though is like when did you guys start doing Metal Shark Bro? Like I I know I. I don't know if we've ever met in the real world, right? We have not ever met in the real world. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Which is also kind of surprising just because I do a shitload of conventions. Do you guys do shows? On the East Coast. Yeah, we're more East Coast based. We can't, we haven't really had a chance to go out West, but we can talk about that off. Nobody cares about us. We just wanted to talk about, we wanted to talk about you and your awesome world. So when does, when does uh, Voyager come out? Like when does that hit stores? November 11th, so, so right after... Be, November's a big month for you, then. Dude, uh, hopefully we get this Nazi out of the office, which is the real win. <laughs> that would and then, be, a, and that'd be worth drinking a whole 12-pack of these. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, yeah, so, no, but yeah, November, it's, it's weird. You work for years on this stuff, and then it just starts coming out, which is really strange that they're, they're kind of, like, dovetailed in the same way. Like, it, and also, like, Nicole and I are doing a book for like for a top a big five like book uh trade publisher so we're we're doing a book for Simon and Schuster right now and it's so weird to me I mean I understand the logistics of why this is but it takes years like years for things to come out like when we turn in our final manuscript the book doesn't come out for another year after that which is like it's just so crazy how long this stuff takes. And I don't think anybody really understands that like, like Alexis and I have been talking about this night hunters thing for like three years and actively working on it for a year. And now it's finally coming out. Like it's just nuts how long creative work takes to come to fruition. I mean, that's the, that's the biz though. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it is. You work hard and nothing happens. And all of a sudden, boom, you're a superstar. And you know what, Dave, you're a fucking superstar. (laughs) So congratulations, Thanks, congratulations, Thanks, Dave. my dude. Um, you got all these books coming out. Keep an eye out for them in November. Where can we find you on social media and whatnot? Uh, yeah, you can find me on the, the Instagrams at xdavebakerx. Um, my website is heydavebaker.com. You can find a bunch of my other comics. Uh, and if you want to listen to my podcast, which I kind of talked about earlier, Deep Dive Explainer podcast, uh, you can do so. Um, it's called Deep Cuts. It's available everywhere podcasts are available. There you go, Dave. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.